Welcome back to the Global Digital Banker. My name is Adele Grissoff and this is RFI Group's Inside Back podcast focused on key trends, thought leadership and best practice within the fast-growing and dynamic world of digital banking. This week, I caught up with Christy Duncan, CEO and founder at Women in Payments, to discuss the key themes, expert predictions, and the biggest talking points from the inaugural Women in Payments Symposium held in London last month. Christy, thanks so much for joining me on today's episode. It's a pleasure to be here. So the event was the first of the series to be held in the UK. It was a thought-provoking day. It brought together over 200 senior executives and 35 speakers from across the world. Are you able to start by sharing a bit of the story behind establishing your organization and the catalyst behind this series of events? Yeah, absolutely. So we started this back in 2012 in Canada, and our mandate has expanded to connect, inspire, and champion women across the global payments ecosystem to excel in this industry. We provide a platform for them to speak, to learn, to develop their networks, and to build their career profiles. And it's been an awesome journey to help them expand their careers and develop their confidence as they get up to speak, but also to be inspired by other women across the industry. You could certainly see that at the event. I mean, there was a really good mix of technical and strategic sessions and then a lot of those leadership-focused sessions to really encourage young women to take these leaps in their careers, which I thought was really valuable. Mm -hmm. So from the sessions across the day, there were some clear themes that arose across payments. So we might kind of delve into those to share with our listeners. In the executive panel at the start of the day, Ema Craven, SVP and Head of Issuing for UK and Ireland at MasterCard, said that payments facilitates consumerism. What was your takeaway as to what she meant by this? That's a really interesting question, Adele. I think it was a a basic acknowledgement that payments are an essential part of any transaction. Without payments, we can't do online commerce. We can't do face-to-face commerce. We can't execute any transactions because ultimately there needs to be that last piece to to tie up and finalize a transaction. Mm -hmm. So we're looking, you know, we're seeing the industry looking for new ways to facilitate that payment that are improvements over existing methods that we use on a day-to-day basis. And I think the, the industry is really starting to to pick up on that, which is really exciting. What shifts have you seen in terms of consumer perception of payments over the past 12 months? Oh my gosh, the industry is changing so rapidly. And especially in the UK with this whole concept of innovation by regulation, where the regulators are pushing the industry to innovate and and move towards a more open banking platform which i think will bring new solutions to the market in uh, and new perspectives so you know we're we're starting to see the platformification of of financial services and similar to the incredible innovation that uber brought to the personal transportation market i think we're going to start seeing similar approaches in financial services. And consumers are starting to see that already. So when you look at Amazon Pay, I can actually stand there and say, Amazon, just order me some dinner for this evening. And it automatically, in the background, facilitates the payment and makes it all happen. So consumer expectations are changing by these new technology-driven solutions that are coming to market. 
It's so great. I mean, I use Amazon a lot actually and, you know, one click and it's done. You don't even really think about the actual transaction itself. You're just thinking of the result of the transaction, you know, ordering your goods online or even with the food delivery services now, you never are really as a consumer super aware of making that kind of payments transaction. You're just counting down the minutes to when the food arrives and that sort of thing. So it is definitely... Um, progressing a lot and we're seeing that being rolled out across banking and financial services operations as well. Yeah, exactly. So another theme of the day was the importance of the customer as a focal point when creating these new offerings. So we are in an age now where customers do want immediate gratification. They don't want to go through these lengthy onboarding processes and they certainly don't want to wait days for new services to be activated. In your perspective, how have you seen the conversation around this consumer demand shift compared to similar discussions at some of the events that you held last year? Yeah, great question, Adele. Um, certainly the consumers are starting and, and the industry is starting to move to far more real-time, seamless, in-the-background types of payment solutions so that the payment isn't even something that we think about it. But it's interesting because what I'm seeing uh, from in our events is the new players coming to the market are bringing new approaches and new solutions solutions which change the customer expectations and Amazon Pay is a great example. So when you say, you know, order me dinner and that voice activated request entails a whole bunch of things to go out to the the, the dinner provider and to arrange the dinner and to arrange the delivery, but also to arrange the payment in the background. So it's a multi keys transaction that the technology facilitates so seamlessly. Uh, on the wholesale side, we're seeing Ripple start to, to really move the market as well by changing the expectations of the B2B customers for their cross-border tr transactions. So where it used to take far longer and there was less transparency mm -hmm. in the transaction. So if I wanted to do a wire payment to another country for a million dollars, I would initiate that to my, to my bank. And it would take potentially hours, sometimes days, to receive the recipient. And between my initiation and the customer receiving the transaction, there was no transparency. I couldn't call the bank and say, where is the, where is the payment? Where is the funds? Mm. So that transparency and, and the seamlessness is really starting to drive the market on wholesale both as well as retail. And even just being able to have the ability to see the exact exchange rate you're going to get on that payment, things like transfer-wise and that sort of thing, you can kind of send and receive payments within a few hours cross-border, but you know exactly the rate you're getting at. You know exactly the total amount of the currency that the recipient's going to receive. So it's definitely um, improving that user and business offering there as well. Mm -hmm. So with the Apple Pay piece, you spoke about how they're integrating the voice biometrics in their proposition, there was actually quite a lot of talk around the new technologies within the payment space, including digital wallets, uh, some behavioral biometrics, AI and machine learning. Thinking about those last three, what impacts do you see these technologies having on the payments landscape? I think it's still really evolving and we have yet to see where it's going to take us. It's a really exciting time to be here right now, but I think we can look to Asia and China in particular at Alipay and WeChat Pay to see where we could potentially be going with these with new solutions and the technology is facilitating all kinds of new things um, in real time, seamless. And I think 
If you go back to the invention of the internet so many years ago, when nobody could foresee at that time that on the internet it was going to facilitate all this cool new stuff. Like who would have foreseen 20 years ago that you could do Snapchat, <laughs> you know, and then you combine that with Wi-Fi and, and Google Maps and all of a sudden you've got, you know, an Uber arriving at your doorstep and you get in and you get out and you don't even do a, a you know, a, a payment with your hands. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. So the technology is really driving some new solutions, but also changing paradigms. And I think the incumbents in this market need to be very careful that they don't take their positions for granted. And with open banking driving new platforms, I think we need to really rethink the way that we do banking in today's world. Yeah, certainly. And on that open banking piece, um, there was a, a session in the afternoon at your Women in Payment Symposium that focused on open banking, PSD2, GDPR, and some of the other new regulations coming out. Um, what was the feedback from the audience? What were their biggest concerns or questions around these new regulatory changes? Oh, great question. I think it's a combination of things. I think there's huge interest. There's huge Curiosity, there's huge concern about maintaining current market positions. So, again, going back to what I said earlier, the incumbents are the ones who have, you know, potentially market share to lose. And if we're going to a platformification of banking services where services can be offered not necessarily with with a financial piece, but the the whole transaction is sliced up into multiple pieces, and then you get these specialists offering, you know, highly specialized, highly sophisticated solutions in one particular piece of that transaction, then the incumbents need to kind of rethink where do they want to play in this market? Do they want to become the new platforms or are they content just providing the the pipes and the plumbing in the background? It'll be interesting to see what, what kind of incumbents do try and implement these new systems and offerings in-house or if they are going to partner with fintechs and other technology companies with this new open banking piece rolling out. It'll be interesting to see how they approach this because it is just going to become so highly right. competitive moving forward. Yeah, I think it's going to be the wild west of banking for a while. It'll be very interesting, but exciting. Very exciting. And especially from a consumer point of view, I think it's just going to benefit consumers and businesses to help everyone get on with their main point of business or just their day-to-day -day personal operations with all of these services available to them. Yeah, and it's lovely to see that the technology can actually help relieve us of some of the more mundane administrative things in our lives. Mm. So I really look forward to the day when I go and buy something either online or face-to-face -face, and it automatically updates my financial planner app mm. so that I know exactly how much money I still have left to spend until the next paycheck. Definitely. And with the regulators as well, it's really nice to see how there is a real increase in the support and encouragement from them and from the governments as well in terms of the technological developments and payments infrastructure that we're seeing. Are you able to share an example of a particular market that you see pioneering the way the others? Oh, my gosh. Um, I would have to say the UK market is definitely on the leading edge of, of where the technology and the the innovation is going. It's fabulous to see the UK regulators really promote that and encourage that innovation, perhaps with 
some might think a heavier hand than they would like, but I think it's pushing the industry to be very, very innovative and is going to bring us some really interesting solutions. The whole market is mm -hmm. going to be very different in the next few years. And I, again, I caution other world global players because as the way I see it, the, the global banks and, and the fintechs working in the UK market are gearing up for this and are strategizing and figuring out how and where they want to play. And it's very easy for them, I think, to start bringing those strategies to other markets. Mm -hmm. And uh, that'll be really interesting once they start. Yeah, definitely. Sharing some of that experience is kind of looking to other markets to really help push others in the same direction as well. Yeah, and I think China's also pushing pushing the boundaries. When you look at Alipay and WeChat and what they're doing, um, I I think that incumbents in the rest of the world need to really take notice and, and uh, perhaps up their game because there's so much value that they're adding. And granted, not everything is going to be applicable in every global market, but they're bringing some really new ways of thinking and new solutions that could be very relevant uh, when adapted to other markets. It's a lot to be looking forward to in this space. Thank you so much for your time. And again, it was so wonderful to attend the Women in Payment Symposium last week. And I'm really looking forward to the other ones coming up the year ahead. Excellent. Thanks so much, Adele. It was lovely to have you. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Following my interview with Christy, I spoke with Victoria Bateman, General Manager EMEA at RFI Group, who shared insights around the current state of the global payments landscape, some interesting statistics around consumer perceptions for a cashless society, the drivers behind this cashless transition, and the products that consumers say they'll be using instead of cash. Victoria, it was evident on the day that the discussion was focused heavily around the shifting payments landscape particularly here in the UK with the rollout of the new open banking legislation and other regulatory changes occurring in the market. Can you explain the focus of your presentation for the day? Hi Adele, thank you first of all for having me. So as you've mentioned, it was a really great event overall, lots of interesting sessions and panel discussions, very focused on looking at innovation, regulation of course, compliance, competition, and the pace of change in the payment sector in particular is pretty phenomenal at the moment. As you can imagine, as an organisation who provides thought leadership in the sector, we're constantly getting asked questions such as what impact will this legislation have, will this innovation take off, who will be the winners and the losers? And one thing that we do know, and as you'd expect from an organisation whose whole proposition really is underpinned by consumer research, is that it's the customer, essentially, who is king, and it's mm. consumer behaviour that's ultimately going to determine the shape of the banking and payments ecosystem going forward. So that was really the focus of my session on the day, uh, sharing some of the data that we capture from the half a million consumer interviews we run annually across the globe mm -hmm. uh, that relate specifically to the changing payments landscape and overall looking at the consumer view of a cashless society, which was the, the title of the presentation. Great. And with regards to the changing landscape, are you able to share with us kind of the current global payments landscape and particularly around that cash usage, given that that was the focus of the presentation? Sure. So from a global perspective, uh, we looked into our global digital banking study, which we run every six months. 
Um, it's a really nice mix of markets that we look at for that study. So Australia, Canada, China, France, Hong Kong, India, Mexico, Singapore, UK, and the US. So they're mm-hmm. the 10 markets that we look into. Um, so it's a really nice mix of markets, different stages of, of development and very diverse ecosystems. So first of all, um, the latest data from that study tells us that 15% of consumers globally are no longer using cash. Mm-hmm. So when we ask the question, have you used cash in the last uh, 12 months? 15% of consumers said no. Um, and that metric is fairly consistent across markets. So it's at its highest for India and Singapore. Mm-hmm. And there's also some really interesting generational differences for that particular metric. So you've got China, India, and Hong Kong, where it's relatively flat, so it doesn't matter whether a consumer's a millennial or a baby boomer, similar proportions are using cash or or not using cash. Um, And interestingly, the biggest generational difference is evident in the UK. So millennials, if we asked that question to um, just under one in four, say they're not using cash, Um, Mm -hmm. it's only 4% of baby boomers. So that's a market where we've got one of the strongest generational differences. Okay. And with those usage stats, what are you seeing when it comes to intent and preferences and ultimately what proportion of consumers can envision a cashless society? So as well as tracking current usage, we also track intent. And the question we ask here is, do consumers intend to use more or less of all of the different payment methods that they use over the next 12 months? And across every one of those markets, there's an anticipated negative net change for cash. Um, and a positive net change for credit and debit. And those preferences vary uh, depending on the market that you look at. So in some markets, the the net change for credit is significantly higher than debit, and it could be the reverse in another market. If we hone in a bit more on the UK, uh, the data that we captured gives us a complete breakdown of consumer usage of payment methods. So everything from cash and traditional payment methods right through to emerging payment methods. Mm-hmm. And, and those start generational differences are actually also very evident here. So if we take card usage, for example, uh, three in four baby boomers using credit cards compared to just under half of millennials. 12% of the UK population are mobile wallet users. Um, but that's actually strongly driven by millennials. So one in five millennials compared to just 3% of baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Um, so one in three baby boomers also used a check in the last 12 months. So we see older generations significantly more likely to utilise multiple payment methods. So they use a much greater number of payment methods overall. Um, But in the UK, it's millennials really driving usage of emerging payment methods at the moment. And then as well as tracking payments usage, we also track payment preferences across a wide range of scenarios. So everything from our low value purchases to big ticket items, um, both online and offline. Um, And we see the preference for cash on the decline across the majority. Although it is worth noting that preference for cash for small value items is still strong. So the majority of customers across the country um, will still prefer at the moment to use cash um, for small ticket items. But obviously there are huge regional differences if we look at London compared to the rest of the country. So in answer to the big question, 28% of UK consumers can now envision a cashless society. And that figure is about 10% higher as a global average. It's very much driven by China and Mexico. And interestingly, of that 28%, the majority can envision that this will happen uh, in the next five years. Okay, wow, that's quite interesting. And I I would imagine that, yeah, Asia is leading, particularly with the, the mobile wallet usage there. 
So if consumers are intending to use cash less, which it does sound like they are, what do you expect their preferred medium to pay with will be? So if we use the, the UK again as a, a particular example, in the UK they are at the moment predominantly expecting the cash usage that they have to be replaced by debit, and mm-hmm. that's probably driven by the, the rapid contactless adoption in this market. Mm-hmm. Um, so three quarters of consumers who can envision a cashless society say they believe that debit will replace cash. Um, but actually the strongest jumps in terms of wave-on-wave changes in the data are for credit and for mobile wallets. So if we take credit cards, um, just over half of consumers say that will be the means that will replace cash, and that's jumped up 7% over the course of the last 12 months. But mobile wallets is, is very strong and has probably the most significant leap over time. So if we go back sort of... 12, 18 months ago, around 37% of consumers who could envision a cashless society said they believe mobile wallets will replace cash. Mm-hmm. And that's jumped up to 57% wow. um, at the beginning of this year. Yeah, I certainly see a lot of people using their mobile wallets, you know, when they're tapping on and off the tube and things like that, which was um, quite shocking when I first moved here, actually. It's not quite like that in Australia just yet. Mm-hmm. So with mobile wallets looking to be the preferred medium to pay with outside of cash, Are you able to share some more insights around this? So what are consumers, what do they want from these wallets and who are they expecting to provide these? Is it their banks? Is it these new fintechs? Yeah. Well, banks still win out when it comes to preferences for mobile wallet solutions. So three in five consumers globally would prefer a proprietary wallet offered by a bank. So if we say, would you like a wallet by a bank or would you like it to be provided by a third-party player? Um, the majority would prefer the bank to provide that solution. Okay. And that's, that's mainly due to the perception that they're more secure. Mm. And we know from our research that banks still very much have the edge in terms of consumer trust. Um, whereas preference for third-party wallets at the moment uh, mainly stems from the perception that they have much wider merchant acceptance. So consumers who say they have that preference believe it's because they can use them more consistently yeah. and be accepted. Um, and they don't necessarily have that reassurance with a bank-offered solution. In terms of some of the barriers that uh, providers need to overcome to increase mobile wallet usage, it's all about need, it's about interest, it's about trust, and it's about understanding. So consumers need a reason to start a habit. And also over half of global consumers say that they'd use mobile wallets more frequently if they were offered rewards. So rewards plays a big part in that as well. That will be interesting to see because you certainly see a lot of advertising about the rewards for contactless card usage mm-hmm. and credit cards. So it will be interesting to see how that plays in the mobile world space. Yeah, absolutely. So with all of this in mind, what do you think will drive this cashless transition? Um, so a number of things, but I think one of the most interesting findings from the global study is if we look at the rate at which consumers adopt new technology more broadly, Um, we can see a very, very strong correlation between technology adoption and expectations of a cashless society. So if we've got a technology adoption spectrum, where on one side of the scale you've got your vocal innovators, they're always the first to try new technology, get the latest phone or tablet or whatever. Mm. Um, And then at the other end of the scale you've got your technology-averse, they won't adopt new technology generally under any circumstances. 
if we take that spectrum and look at the UK, which is a great example, uh, 64%, so over two-thirds of vocal innovators can imagine a cashless society in the future. Mm-hmm. But it's only 7% if we look at consumers responding who categorise themselves at the other end of the scale. So I think the biggest thing, or one of the biggest things that will ultimately drive this cashless transition is that rate of technology adoption. And that's interesting because it takes generation out of the equation as well. At the moment in the UK, as I've mentioned, we can see younger generations driving uptake of new payment methods. Um, And we've alluded to this, I think, in a couple of other podcasts. Digital adoption is absolutely not just a millennial play. Mm. Um, So early adopters, for example, actually peak between 25 and 34. Generation X very much still in the game. And we actually only start to see fast followers tail off when it comes to the over 50s. You also talked in your presentation about the importance of a payments proposition more broadly. Are you able to share some of the insights around the significance of payments in the context of broader banking relationships and perhaps how this affects advocacy? Yeah, so it's hugely important. For example, if we take card usage as the means of payment and we look at the relationship between the main bank and card ownership, and think about its impact on satisfaction or on advocacy, as you said, or retention. And what we can see from our research is that if you don't hold a primary card, so whether that's a credit or a debit card with your main bank, your satisfaction levels generally around two-thirds of customers would rate themselves as highly satisfied. Mm -hmm. But if you have a primary debit card with your main financial institution, that satisfaction rate increases to 69%. And if you have both your primary debit card and your primary credit card with your main financial institution, that goes up to 74%. Also, we're seeing those consumers who hold both their primary relationships um, from a car perspective with their main bank are three times more likely to be advocates of that institution. And perhaps most importantly, they're substantially stickier. With the vast majority of consumer spend, as we know, is on the primary debit card, it's absolutely essential to have a strong payments proposition for financial institutions if you've got a holistic banking proposition, and it's becoming ever more important. So I think Charles, in his recent podcast, when he was focused on changes in digital banking behaviour, and he mentioned the big shift that we've seen in the last 12 months in terms of digital engagement and that the most profitable customers are now those which engage with their financial institutions on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And a strong payments proposition is one of the things that absolutely creates those daily connections. So it's hugely important. Those stats are significantly higher, yeah. which is very interesting. I guess the big question here is, can we expect to become a cashless society in the next, say, five to ten years? So great final question. Um, and as I said up front, 28% of consumers in the UK believe so. And it's interesting because that's the question that I put to the audience at the event the Women Payments event, and that's obviously a room full of people in the industry. And interestingly, I don't think that any hands went up at all. He said yes, they can see it happening further down the line, but not in the next five years. And I'd agree with that, I think. I think higher proportions of consumers won't personally use cash because there'll be fewer and fewer scenarios where they're forced to do so. So I can see why that statistic's as high as it is, um, perhaps a little bit unexpected, but when we think about it from the perspective of being a cashless society for that individual, um, I can see you know, those numbers continuing to rise. Yeah, I certainly don't use as much cash as I used to. I really only use cash when I have to, so 
the corner shops, some of them still won't accept cards or you have to spend a certain amount of money. You know, or even when you're traveling, I think that was the time when people would withdraw cash because you really didn't have any other options. Mm. But now with the likes of Revolut and Monzo, Starling Bank, you can make those contactless payments in those other markets without ever having to withdraw cash and obviously no fees around that. So all of those things driving the changes from that perspective. And I think what's really clear as well is that PSD2 is absolutely going to shake things up. Mm-hmm. Um, that we've just embarked on a big UK study it's called Winning the Post PSD2 Customer and that's going to be a real deep dive into consumer behaviour appetite intentions and appeal of new services in a post PSD2 world so I'm really excited about the results of that which will be coming out in just a few weeks time and no doubt we'll share some of those key findings on the podcast sometime soon yes yeah, certainly looking forward to hearing all about it well thank you so much for joining us on the episode today It's evident that having a strong payments proposition, a holistic offering is extremely important and obviously that's going to drive advocacy and stickiness. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed the episode this week. To view the show notes from this episode, head to globaldigitalbanker.com. To get in touch with us, check out our Instagram, globaldigitalbanker. Twitter at GDB Podcast or on Facebook under Global Digital Banker Podcast. If you're interested in being a part of the show or would like to let us know what you think of this episode, email us at gdbpodcast at rfigroup.com.